Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, I'm Caroline Stanbury, and I am Divorced Not Dead. Fresh off the back of my divorce, I'm bringing real stories, real life, real talk on all things that aren't said. Why do we put so much pressure on ourselves for the happily ever after? Does our love story really have to be one great lengthy novel, or can we be happy with a book of short but exciting love stories? I guess we'll find out on Divorce Not Dead. And lucky me, you'll be joining me for the journey, so buckle up. Hi there, I'm Lauren McGoodwin with teammates Kayleen Holden and Aaliyah Kamalova. Welcome to The Females, a podcast from Career Contessa that delivers helpful, actionable career tips and advice so that you can be more fulfilled, healthy, and successful at work. Here in the U.S., many people are starting to return to work in person. While some people are excited to go back to the office, others are absolutely dreading it. But how do you navigate the awkward transition back when you know remote work has worked better for you? That's why on today's episode, we're going to talk about two things. One, the benefits of remote work, and two, what to do when you want to stay working remotely. And now, this is The Females. So recently, Tim Cook, who I'm sure you all know, but he's the CEO of Apple, he announced that his global workforce of 137,000, I'm going to say probably plus employees are going to return to the office full time in September. And obviously, some people were not happy with this decision. About 80 people penned a letter to Cook expressing their displeasure with the return to the office. And a quick snippet from that letter, which we'll also put in the show notes um, if you want to read it. So, quote, we have succeeded not despite working from home, but in large part because of being able to work outside the office. The last year has felt like we have truly been able to do the best work of our lives for the first time, unconstrained by the challenges of the daily commute to offices and in-person co-located offices themselves inevitably impose, all while still being able to take better care of ourselves and the people around us, end quote. So this is just really a great example. I feel like what they said is a really probably good example, but also how a lot of other people feel. And 
what they're feeling like as many companies do start to plan their returns to the office and they talk about what that rollout might look like. And according to a recent survey by Morning Consult on behalf of Bloomberg News, nearly 40% of respondents said they'd consider quitting their jobs if they weren't offered remote work flexibility. Yeah, I feel like I've heard a lot of people <laughs> express that sentiment of just like, well, it's fine. I'll just mm-hmm. never return then. Um, (laughs) But there is obviously benefits to remote work. And as mentioned in the Apple letter, some benefits of the remote work for employees are less commute stress, increased productivity and performance, and an overall increase in physical and mental health. And then on the other end of it, some benefits for employers are higher employee retention, positive impact on environmental sustainability, and the ability to hire from a larger talent pool. So It seems like all around there are pros um, Mm -hmm. for both the employees and employers. I I think too what a lot of companies are doing with their rollout is they're going to start with a hybrid situation and maybe that's one day a week. Like I know some of my friends, they are in what they call a pod where it's like they're in the Tuesday pod or the Mm -hmm. Wednesday pod. I know Leah, you've mentioned some of your friends are going back like once a month. And ultimately I think what people recognize is like, okay, this is probably just step one of before we're fully back in the workplace and it's as if nothing ever happened before. I also think what's interesting about remote work is I think it works well when people Mm -hmm. are all working from home. Like you don't have that disparity also of um, some people are working from home. Not all people are working from home. So that's like, I guess, different than what obviously the Apple employees are talking about. But Mm -hmm. I feel like we're hearing this a lot, which is I want to continue to work remotely and I'm going to quit my job if they don't offer that or how or how companies move forward with how they do this rollout is going to be very interesting to maybe if you are on the edge of like, do I stay? Do I go? You know, that kind of thinking too. This is going to play a big role. Yeah. There's also like this weirdness where everyone's globally experiencing like the pandemic. So everyone experienced perhaps like a shift to remote work if you had like an in-person office situation. And then now at least in the U.S., people are also experiencing like the slow return towards like summertime. Mm -hmm. And so it feels really bold or brazen to ask your employer like, well, can I stay? Because I actually really liked it because you would think that like several employees are in that same position. So it feels even more intimidating than, you know, if it was any other year and you wanted a flex work situation, you were trying to like advocate for that for yourself. And now Mm -hmm. it's like, okay, so are you advocating for your whole team to be remote forever? Or is it like, I don't know. It feels like there's so much more weight to it right now. I I think so too. And I understand that CEOs and managers might say, look, this is just an easier way for us to manage people. And if they're all in one location and we can, but I, and while I understand that, I think that what workers are hearing is you don't trust us. You want to see us in person. And it kind of goes back to the whole like productivity is measured in FaceTime and less about like, output. It's like, I think there's this expectation or this like disappointment that, Hey, I thought after this last year, we would have kind of like done away with that. Mm -hmm. And clearly it feels like maybe, (laughs) maybe this last year, while it was a good experiment, no, like no one's will or like, you know, they're not going to consider that. Yeah. It does. I feel like very stubborn on this point. I don't even know what happened to me, but I feel very <laughs> stubborn on this point of I, to me, it sends this message of we don't trust you. And I said this to both of you off the podcast, but 
it sends to me this message of like, yeah, we trusted you to work from home when there was literally nothing else for you to be doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But now that there is like, we're back to we're back to babysitting. Like it's back to kindergarten. And I think that's that's BS because it was it was also really difficult for people to get used to this and then to just to just throw them back f- for some arbitrary reason for just yeah. to, mm-hmm. to feel like you're being, I don't know, babysat really. Yeah. That's just what it feels like to me. I think too, if you are a manager and you're assuming that people want to go, like one of the other things in the article that I thought was interesting is it talked about how the new WeWork CEO oh, yeah. basically said something like, I know you guys are really excited to get back to the office. And, and people were basically like, who said that? No one's saying well, that. Didn't, and so like, didn't he say something like people who are like smart are returning, want to, people who want to stay home are losers. Like it was like really harsh and really um, assuming. He said, <laughs> he said, quote, those who are uberly engaged with the company want to go uh, back to the office two thirds of the time, at least those who are least engaged are very comfortable working from home. That's what he said at the <laughs> Wall Street Journal's future of everything. Yeah. And so um, you I I feel like, OK, if if you didn't think that managers are going to favor people who go back to the office, if that's what the manager want now, it's mm-hmm. crystal clear that you will be rewarded for your FaceTime if that's what your manager wants to. And so not only is this a thing where like some people might feel like, hey, now I'm going to have to choose routine time with my family, like the commute, like that kind of stuff versus having to work. Now it's going to come down to not only do I have to choose between my family, but I'm also feeling like I have to choose between like career growth opportunities. This podcast is brought to you by Athleta a performance lifestyle brand for women committed to unlocking their limitless potential. The guiding principles that drive every design, beauty, innovation, sustainability. Each style is crafted for the unique needs of female bodies in motion. This summer, Athleta is your go-to shorts destination. Distraction-free and ultra lightweight, their shorts are designed so nothing can get in the way of you and your goals. From bike shorts to Bermudas, Run shorts to everyday staples, they have your shorts. My personal favorite pair has been the Ultimate Stash Pocket 9-inch short. I love that it has a sleek high waist and they are extremely breathable. And my absolute favorite thing about these shorts is the pocket. The back waistband pocket is great for holding your key or credit card if you're going to work out, going on a hike, whatever active thing you're planning to do. In honor of short season, Athleta is encouraging us to lead with our legs, whatever that looks like for you. Whether it's running a new PR, climbing to new heights, or standing up for what you believe in, let your legs lead you forward. One of my favorite Athleta shorts are the Farallon Heathered Shorts. The fabric is so comfortable and it has the stretch of a knit with the look of a woven twill. The Heathered fabric is soft and gives dimension too. Summer is the time to celebrate the legs that move us forward. Find your new favorite pair of shorts at Athleta and let your legs lead the way. Visit Athleta in stores or online at athleta.com to shop their full range of shorts, available in sizes XXS to 3X. I'm very concerned about this because for a lot of reasons, but also I think if you're given the choice, 
women, like I know for me, I would want to stay working from home because having a two hour commute is a bad mm-hmm. use of time and trying to manage that and a family is not great. But what happens if I decide to work from home and my male colleague is able to go into the office and have that FaceTime? Does he get better projects? Does he get just like the little side conversations and the camaraderie that happens it being in person? So it, this is really challenging too, because I think employers really need to think about like there's a plan on paper, which is different than how a plan is acted out in real life and like how real life is takes into account those little things too. Like the side conversations that ultimately lead you to getting Mm -hmm. a promotion. Like people say that's not true, but it's absolutely true because that's also what unconscious bias is, is like you unconsciously are influenced to do X, Y, Z or think that someone is a better fit for a role or whatever it is like that too. I feel like that's a perfect example of what the, well, obviously the WeWork CEO has his own, like his Mm -hmm. livelihood depends on people returning to the office. But it's also that speaking of unconscious bias, the thing of, you know, your boss being like, you're just like me. You're fully engaged. It's like, I'm no, I'm no less engaged. I just, I, I, uh, I have more responsibilities. I, I was sitting with my husband the other night at dinner at like 630. And I was like, imagine if I just got home yeah. because I spent yeah. the last two hours in traffic. Like what, a, what a waste. Like, and that would mm-hmm. be, feel like just, just feel like being robbed a little bit or a lot of it because that adds up mm-hmm. so fast. Yeah. I think the other thing that is frustrating in this is employers, again, seem to be making these decisions in a vacuum. Like my question is, did they send out a survey before? Are they going to continue to survey people or are we just, is this like back to normal thing? Literally just like, we're going to snap our fingers and pretend like nothing happened. And I don't, I don't know. Like it kind of feels like that when you are not just making decisions um, like this, but like, are they doing, are they adding it to their exit interviews? Right. So like if people are literally quitting their jobs over this, are they going to add that question or are they just going to stick their heads in the sand and be like, well, we don't believe in remote work because we want to be able to oversee people and we want face to face. And that's just what I want. And I'm not going to use any Mm -hmm. data to help support my decision making skills or like it's too much work or it's a lot of work or it's just like, I don't know how we're going to do this. So we're just not going to figure out how to manage a a remote workplace or workforce. You know that I don't know if these are how companies are thinking about it, but sometimes it feels that way. And it's like, if you use data to decide how to sell your products, maybe you should use surveys and exit interviews and employee feedback to figure out how to also create a workplace that people are are really engaged with and not assume that just because you don't show up in person, you're not engaged. Like, wow, that cannot be the rumor that persists Mm -hmm. out in the workplace. You know what I mean? I feel like if a company 100% goes back to the way it was pre-pandemic, then it already just reflects like a really big inability to critically look at your company and like what worked and like And are you just continuing for the sake of like, this is how we've always done it and like an inability to evolve and grow because there's no way that a whole year and a half of pandemic didn't affect your company in some sort of way. So I feel Mm -hmm. like it really is like a reflection of a core value then. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm also thinking a lot about like hiring going forward. Like it, it does when you allow remote work and flexibility. I really just feel like this benefits the employees a lot and like hiring allows you, you know, allows you to hire from a more diverse candidate pool. And so I feel like for companies who maybe talk about that and how they're really, you know, 
focused and dedicated to that, but then their like policies can sometimes directly say the opposite. It's it's like I think there's a there's a transparency and a communication thing that is really important here. And companies are either going to get this so wrong, like the WeWork CEO saying that, or they're going to be really thoughtful about it and get it right. I was talking to a friend of mine who's um, a chief people officer. And she was like, this has been the hardest year to be a chief people officer because it used to just be like, you know, benefits, recruiting, like the stuff you're kind of, but this year, 2020 slash 2021 has been like basically rewriting the, the, like how those people do their jobs and like what falls under the umbrella of their job too. Um, so, I mean, I, I understand that. And I think that, you know, I think there can be a little leniency for the fact that companies are figuring this out on the fly, but I, I also just, I don't know. I'm obviously very passionate about this because I really do think work from home and remote and flexible work is it's so good for people. It allows the human part of who you are. And there's that, I think it's a book or a saying, but it's like, bring your human to work. Like, I think that's important. And I would be really sad if like we go through this whole experience and then we just pretend like it didn't happen. It's like the pandemic. I know there's like a checklist of things we want to keep and some things we want to get rid of, but I'm sad that this one is teetering so close on the either keep or get rid of. Like I thought it was going to be a for mm-hmm. sure keep item, <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's my TED talk on this. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so coming up, we're going to share what to do when you want to stay working remotely. As we mentioned in this episode, remote work has a lot of great benefits for both the employees and employers. And many people are continuing to stay remote after working at home for the past year and a half. However, when a team is remote and global, that makes it extremely difficult for employers to offer benefits like health insurance to the entire team. While our sponsor, SafetyWing, has solved this problem for remote teams by creating the first global health insurance. SafetyWing is on a mission to fix the problem of remote employee benefits by offering borderless benefits for remote and distributed teams. SafetyWing's remote health insurance works in any country, whether you live there or are just visiting. They have a fully equipped health insurance that works for all of your global employees, so it is built for a truly global workforce. Plus, the great thing about SafetyWing is that you can add anyone affiliated with your company to one simple plan that gets cheaper as you scale. With SafetyWing, you have the ability to customize your policy to make it perfect for your team. Remote health insurance works globally, so you can hire the best talent in the world. Safety Wings Remote Health allows companies to offer equal benefits to the entire team, no matter where they live or are located. Your team is global, so their benefits should be global too. Go to safetywing.com slash remote health to learn more. That's safetywing.com slash remote health to learn more. Our first tip is to keep in mind the anchoring effect. If you never heard about this, the anchoring effect is a cognitive bias that describes the human tendency to rely too heavily on the first piece of information offered to them, otherwise known as the anchor. Once the anchor is presented, all judgments are made around this anchor. So think about this in like, car sales, there's an initial sticker price and that 
you know, once it's set, the two parties negotiate from there. That sticker price is the anchor. Um, similarly, the anchor effect can be used when negotiating a remote or flexible work schedule. So something you might want to think about if you know your company will more than likely say no to remote work, ask for a full remote schedule and then negotiate to a hybrid schedule where you come to the office maybe two days a week or something like that. So this is, I mean, kind of a little bit of psychology, obviously. And like, uh, again, that, that cognitive bias, but like start with maybe if you have a feeling they're absolutely going to say no, start with the other extreme and then try to meet in the middle if you can get that. Also, I would say even with the hybrid thing, think about this anchor effect of like, if you're willing to take two or three days a week in the office, start with negotiating for one day a week in the office. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel like, I don't know, like the optimistic side of me is thinking like most companies will be pretty open to hearing like a flexible situation rather than you know, maybe going 100% or continuing 100% remote seems really intimidating. But like, I feel like people have got to be more open to a flex schedule just because even if it's, you know, taking the human out of it and it's just a financial decision, I guarantee it's like a financial benefit to the company too. That's what I don't get too. I'm like, isn't, can't you save a lot of money if you can like shrink your works or your office space by like 30%? Like, I feel like if you can't get, if you can't, figure out how to get them to see it your way uh, with like benefits to you personally as a human, then what about their dollars, right? (laughs) Like (laughs) that's what's scary about this whole thing is it does, it feels very much like companies like Apple and Google like set the tone for everyone. And what just came to the top of my mind and when we're talking about saving money is, you know, Apple just had built that like gigantic circular campus and you know, they're not just going to, I mean, I think it was like well over a billion dollars to build and you know they want to get in that thing. Yeah. But then on the other hand, they're setting the tone for everyone else. And it's like, well, if if Apple's going back, if Google's going back, we're going back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Talk about an anchor. It's like the the tech companies anchor some of this up, which is interesting because I also felt like there were tech companies who were like Spotify, for example, who was like, all right, we're now doing fully remote Mm -hmm. forever, you know? And it was like, you know, in a positive way, that's a positive anchor where I think it was made maybe some companies become more comfortable with it. It's, it's so interesting how like, it's like the follow the hurt, you know what I mean? It's Mm -hmm. like, Oh, if one company's doing it, then we're going to do it like that. Um, it's like, it's a comfort level. And also I think there is a a collective buy-in with that kind of stuff, you know? Yeah. So our second tip is to use the rule of reciprocity. So the rule of reciprocity depends on the assumption that humans are more likely to return good deeds. It's sort of the, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. So in many social situations, we pay back what we receive from others. When using the rule of reciprocity in a negotiation setting, you don't want to present by saying, uh, I'll give you X if you give me Z. Rather, come to your negotiation with all the accomplishments you have already achieved in, in the workplace, as well as the plans for your future projects and improvements. For example, if you're looking for a flexible work situation, you might lead by detailing all of the distraction-free work and strategy you can achieve while working from home or from a remote location. Mm -hmm. Additionally, you can basically just profile what you've done in the past year, especially if it is a real departure from how you've worked in that company before then. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now it's like you you are sitting on so much data right now of just how you've worked Mm -hmm. for the past year and a half. So it's like you have the proof to say, you know, here's how I improved my team, my department, my company, 
And like, don't you want me to continue that? <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I also think it it adds like real context that I guess managers and companies can kind of get behind a little bit more than, for example, like commute family time. Like I, I think there are still some employers that really are going to keep the line down the middle of like, this is work and this is life. So it's like, okay, you're going to start with the strategy of, you know, anchoring it with, uh, you know, I'm willing, I, I'd like to stay working remote. Here's all the reasons why. And then you're going to add the context. So it, it, it fills in the storyline for them about what, and also maybe they're able to remember, oh yeah, I remember when you launched that product or I remember how that was like a home run for us. Um, I'm using so much business jargon, like uh, a home run for us with that, you know, getting that out three weeks earlier than we thought, or, um, you know, again, like just kind of tapping into their memory, their positive memory of how well this worked. I think that's a really good strategy, not to mention it's it's going to help you remember why remote work was working for you. And then in this conversation, you'll it's, it's kind of like the prep work before you go into an interview where they're going to ask you about something. It's like you want to remember like what you did at that job. It's kind of the mm-hmm. same idea here. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Of all the things I've been missing over the past year, it's the little things I miss the most like making awkward eye contact across the room or meeting strangers in line. That's what I'm trying to get back to. Vaccination is the most effective way to help prevent COVID-19 and get back to the good times. Find out where to get your COVID-19 vaccine near you at vaccines.gov. That's V-A-C-C-I-N-E-S dot gov. Okay, so our third tip is to focus on the opportunity cost. So we kind of hinted at this earlier, but in investment terms, an opportunity cost is a benefit an individual investor or business misses out on when choosing another alternative. So affix your value both today and going forward and present it to your boss when making this specific ask. So while you're collecting and analyzing your own KPIs, we bet you'll be surprised how valuable you are. And that's great motivation and inspiration for how much more valuable you can be. I think of it as like, even with this podcast being remote, for us, it was such a commute because we previously recorded in studio in like West Hollywood, which was a drive for all of us. And I think about how we lost like a day, like a basically a day between like, you know, driving there and back and in like a traffic-y time. And I don't know, I could probably break down hour-wise how much more like the opportunity cost of like going remote just from saving how like probably five hours of like commuting, parking, all this stuff, you know, waiting to get into the studio. It's huge. Like the value is like hours put in, you know, doing other Mm -hmm. tasks and accomplishing other projects. So I think you could probably very like mathematically calculate hourly how much you'll be saving for the company if you were to be remote or continue to be remote. And I think the gray zone of this is making sure that you <laughs> you don't make it sound like you're always available right. too because that was happening during remote times where people were like, I live and work in the same place. So I feel like I'm always at work. It's like, okay, well, look, <laughs> let's keep this in mind of like, Yes, you're saving hours, so you have the opportunity to maybe do more. But another way to think about the the do more doesn't always have to be just like Mm -hmm. online sitting there. You know, it's that we've we've had lots of 
podcast about busyness and productivity and like managing your time by task, not just like by how many hours you put into something. And so I think to your point, Aaliyah, about thinking about this is to also think about the fact that like, look, if I had two hours in the day, it's better spent working on this project heads down than it is spending two hours in a commute. I think another thing that people forget and maybe they're going to remember right when they go back to the office is like, these little conversations, like side conversations in the kitchen and the lobby and here and there, the next thing you know, you've wasted like three hours at work. So even when you were at work, you were like, and they, the Apple employees talked about this, right? Like, especially in these open workplaces where um, you just like get pulled into conversations really quickly. I would just, I would, I would think about it a little bit in terms of that and, and point out kind of how like a work hour could be lost very easily doing stuff like being in an office too, not just like the commute to the office and then pull that back to, and that is better spent, you know, researching X, Y, Z, or I don't know. I I always try to come up with these examples on the fly and it's hard because I feel like I always come up with the same examples from my own experience. But I think everyone can think about something that they maybe never had time to do at work and they always wanted the time to do it. Sometimes what I wanted time to do at work was just to read. Like I remember when I worked as a recruiter, it's like, I just want to read like recruiting like trends that are happening mm-hmm. in the workplace right now. You know what I mean? Like I felt like I never had time to read like what else, what other companies and recruiting trends and that kind of stuff. Um, so anyway, I just want to point that out. If like you're worried about pointing out the commute thing, you can also think about how you would lose time mm-hmm. just being in the office yeah. too. That was kitchen <laughs> conversations. Like I have absolutely wasted an hour and a half talking in the kitchen <laughs> with someone about a TV show. Like absolutely <laughs> many times. <laughs> Sorry to my past employers and wow. to myself. Now. <laughs> I know. <laughs> There's no one to talk to in the kitchen about TV shows now. So I guarantee I'm way more productive. <laughs> I don't know how you really, and maybe this is a classic bad example for me, but um, I don't know how you necessarily would communicate this, but there's the, there's also like a self-preservation angle to it too, where it's like, and again, like, it's not like you can say, listen, if I work in the office, I'm quitting in a year, but there is something of like <laughs> this, I feel more energized doing my work. I'm getting more done. Like I just... I, I'm I'm liking the function of my job better. I'm not spending Sunday dreading everything. It's just like I, yeah. I wonder if some and some bosses definitely wouldn't be receptive to that, but some some bosses I think really would. Just the whole angle of like it's it's just it's better for you. It's better for me. It's better for everyone. Um, yeah, just on a personal level, it's better. For, I guess that's that's the retention aspect of it too. Yeah, I think, well, based on our last episode about their great resignation, I think employers should really pay attention to this because I think some employers are like, oh, my employees aren't going to quit because it's not a good job market. You might want to think again. Like truly, you might want to think again. People are quitting. (laughs) They will continue to quit if they... Another thing that came out of the pandemic, I think for some people is maybe they have like... Okay, there's there's two total pieces here, but some people didn't spend any money in the last year and they kept their jobs. So maybe they're in the place where they're like, I could take a sabbatical or I can take some time off and figure out what I want to do. And if I really, truly hate this, maybe the last year has taught me that time is valuable and I don't want to continue to do something I hate. What I'm like playing out again, scenarios, but yeah, employers, I wouldn't get ahead of yourself and think that people aren't going to consider quality of life, what you're talking about, Kayleen, Mm -hmm. you know? 
Okay, so our fourth and final tip is to have a direct discussion with your boss. We know that everyone's situation is vastly different. So here's just a starting point of what you could say when sending the email. Um, And we know you guys like it very specific. So we're going to give it to you word for word. So the subject line would be request for continuation of remote work. Put the date just because you might have a lot of emails going back and forth. So you want to have that date. Okay, then you would say, hi, put your boss's name in. I hope this email reaches you well. Maybe a personal anecdote. Don't at us for starting with, (laughs) I hope this email reaches you well. If you hate that term, (laughs) start with something else. Okay, next paragraph. As name of your organization ramps up to begin the transition back into the physical office, I would love to discuss the possibility of my staying remote. As you know, my work has not suffered at all in the past and then put the period of time. In fact, since working remotely, I believe my work has been stronger than ever. This is where you're going to include examples of your work successes. The more specific, the better. So I would say at least three examples of work. And then the last paragraph is, without taking too much of your time, I'd like to discuss this further if you have the time to connect over the phone or via video chat. Let me know if this works for the team and if you need any additional information from me. And then, of course, sign off with your name. If you needed to also, you could start this conversation by saying like examples of your work. And when you get on the video chat with them or something, also getting very crystal clear on what are their priorities and what are their goals for the team. Because you could always shift or even tailor your examples of work and your context to why working remote is going to work for them. And I think that's the key here, in my opinion, is coming with an action plan that is well thought out, concise, direct, but makes it very clear that you are keeping in mind the company's goals and priorities as well. Mm-hmm. And then it's really important, like once you're on that phone call or in-person chat or video chat, is to just like stay firm to what you're asking for, because I think it's also really easy to kind of chicken out or like yeah. start, you know, going back on what you said, like downplaying the amount of work you've done yeah. over the past year. But I do think that like it doesn't hurt to ask um, rather than just like assuming your employer won't hear you out. Um, And it may even start some conversations within your department. Maybe your manager has gotten like three of these emails from team members and they're like, okay, maybe I should start really considering not coming back to the office. So you never know like the context of the situation. And I feel like why not ask instead of completely (laughs) resigning or dreading Mm -hmm. every day you go into the office? Yeah. I think there's two things here too about this conversation is like managers don't feel like you have to give an answer right then and there. And employees don't feel like you have to accept whatever's on the other end of that right away. So if your boss is like, no, I don't think so. I'm really, don't go, okay, okay, never mind. It's okay. (laughs) There's this great meme where it's like, if not, no worries, you know, and the person is like, (laughs) you know, dread or I forget what they look like, but it's negative because it's kind of like, I'm very worried on the other end, even though I'm saying, if not, no worries. Like, don't do that. Be very like, okay with there not being a, a resolution and answer maybe in that first conversation because I think another thing and I know I I feel like I'm always like rooting for the managers in this is that this is really hard and managers maybe don't know the best way to handle this and they're not really sure like they're figuring it out as well and so you don't need to accept what they say right away and I think for managers they don't need to accept like okay I've had two conversations like this so now I'm going to have this blanket rule for everyone which is why I do think you know, having surveys, having conversations, like 
this is important. If it's, this is part of your retention tool, uh, you know, like that kind of stuff, put, put the time and energy in to do it right. I also think that for employees, practice this conversation before you have it. Cause sometimes things like this can make people extremely anxious and nervous and I, I think it's it's one of those conversations where you want to go in prepared. You want to go in feeling like reminding yourself that if it's not going the direction you want for you to be able to calmly say, thanks a lot for listening to me. This has been good feedback. I've got, you know, you've given me some things to consider and I'd like to continue the conversation and then have a part two and a part three. And that's the part, at least for me in past negotiations where I haven't really practiced the, like the ending part of like, this doesn't conclude right here and there. And then I'm a little like frozen on like, or you just keep talking. That's like, I feel like I always just keep talking. Yeah, oh my God. <laughs> Where I'm like repeating or yeah, and all like, of a sudden I'm contradicting everything I said. I'm just like, why didn't you stop talking <laughs> after the first two minutes? <laughs> Someone gave me that advice in a salary negotiation, negotiation once. She goes, you know, you can name your number and stop talking. And I was like, but then what do you what? do? <laughs> like, I no, I thought, yeah, I thought you had to like, no, you have to take up every piece of space. So I agree with you, Aliyah. I feel like, sometimes it's good to practice the stopping because you might get nervous and you, you know, some people when they're nervous, they just like, they'll keep it going. You know, I also think coming into the the meeting part after maybe you send the email or the discussion part is coming in with questions for your employer saying, well, has, has the company suffered since we were working from home? Even like, even if it's like feigning ignorance, it's like, well, what, what what are the benefits that you see to going back? Like, have we suffered? Are there, is there data to back that up? And I don't know, I, I'm working on this like thing in my head about like interviews and all this. If, if you come in as the interviewee or as the employee or, or the person that like, quote unquote, doesn't hold the power. But if you come in with these questions that you want answered, if you could kind of like basically flip it over and, and basically stump them to where they're like, actually, I'd don't really know why we're going back. We really have no data to prove this. We just are because it's how it was. And uh, that's it. Mm-hmm. And tone's really important when you ask those questions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like true curiosity tone. Yeah. <laughs> you might want to yes, practice yes. that one too. <laughs> Un- uncross your arms. Yeah. Like, Not petty. Yeah. <laughs> like, show me the numbers then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's like uh, they should go back to that the new WeWork CEO and be like, I'd love to see the data that shows people are more engaged because also tracking engagement is hard to do. (laughs) So also imagine being that guy's employee and hearing that for the first time at a conference, like the statement about returning. You go, what? We're returning and I'm a loser if I don't go. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And it's like at this massive public conference. (laughs) You're like, so we've, yeah, it's, it's like finding out well, this is totally different, but it's like finding out that someone broke up with you and you're like, wait, I never was told we were broken up or something. You know what I mean? It's on like Twitter. finding out. 